Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you guys as always. And today, recapping Tar Heel Pro Day, we're going to go through, take a look at who performed well, who helped themselves the most. And uh, we'll also circle around on the back end and talk a little bit about the updates that Mac Brown gave us yesterday in his press conference around Tar Heel football as they sit. Now, less than two weeks away from their spring game, the shutdown to spring camp. And uh, he he had some very interesting things to say yesterday about where the team is at. So we'll let you guys uh, hear a little bit uh, about that here. We'll give you our opinions on what we think at this point of spring camp. Uh, And we'll also have an interview in the middle with Anthony Treesh, a pro football focus. He's on to talk a little bit about the Tar Heel draft prospects, including Sam Howell's Pro Day, what he thinks about Ty Chandler's stock. And we also talk a little bit about Jeremiah Gimmel. And that's where we'll start here when we talk about Tar Heel Pro Day on Monday. That was the guy that it really feels like was the most important guy to watch for on Monday uh, he was a guy that you know was scheduled to participate in the Senior Bowl. Did get receive the invite, did accept the invite, but unfortunately was unable to participate uh, due to what was now revealed, according to Gregory Hall of Inside Carolina, as a shoulder injury that held him out of the Senior Bowl and the NFL Combine as well, at least the on-field portion. I believe that he did go through and do the interviews, but. Uh, this is you know one of those situations where uh, he wanted to get out there and prove that he is rehabbing through an offseason surgery well enough to still be you know take it taking a risk on um and I think he did exactly that he did not run the 40 um which I, I guess isn't totally unexpected uh, he did jump though he jumped 32 inches in the vertical jump his broad jump was nine feet 11 inches. Uh, and he did not, of course, as you would expect, go through the bench press. But 
He did do the on-field drills and looked very, very good when he was out there in the on-field drills. I thought his footwork looked uh, exquisite. I thought it was just an outstanding performance from him. Moved very, very well. I thought you know he got in and out of cuts pretty well. Um, I, and, and I think overall, he, he probably did some good for himself. I don't know if he was the guy that helped himself the most out there on Monday, but I think this is just what he needed to sort of stabilize his stock. He was a guy that was starting to trend down some of the boards, and naturally so. I mean, when you have guys that are going out and participating at the Senior Bowl or some of these other all-star games and then turning around and participating at the Combine, you as somebody that's not going through that, it's going to be tough to keep your stock high. And look, the thing, and we'll hear more about it coming up from Anthony Trees here in a little bit, Uh, that a lot of people really like about him is his knowledge of the game, um, just how smart he is, cerebral, on the field. So I I think that's something that is probably keeping him on a lot of boards. But this, I think, stabilized that. It probably showed people, hey, look, this is what he was going through during this time. I'm assuming some of these other teams probably knew. It wasn't known to the media, but it was probably known by some of the teams that talked to him that he just wasn't going through uh, the drills and, and the practices at the con- at uh, the Senior Bowl, that is, uh, because of the shoulder injury. But um, he, he is progressing well, at least well enough to get out there and perform on Monday, which I think uh, did some good for him. And I think he, he wasn't the only one that helped his stock out there. I think the most obvious one was clearly Kyler McMichael. Um, what a tremendous 40-yard dash time for him, a 4-3-4, which would have ranked him fifth amongst defensive backs at the combine if he would have been in attendance. Honestly, still don't understand how he was not there off of the performance at the East-West Shrine game, but he's the guy that I think right now has kind of come out of nowhere. He's put himself on some draft boards. There are you know a few sites that have him as a fifth to sixth round guy, and there's other guys that don't even have him on the draft board. So, He's a little all over the place right now, but I think this performance could put him back solidly on those draft boards. He did it in front of all 32 teams, and I think there are going to be teams that are going to fall in love with him. He looked pretty good in the drills. Uh, He he moved pretty well. The hips looked pretty fluid. Um, And, you know, technically he, he looks the part. It's just when you turn on his film... That's probably the area where you're going to get most concerned. He's got to become a better run defender. There's no doubt about that. But I think that there are enough tools there where somebody is going to take a risk on him, especially after how well he ran the other day. I think he's probably the guy that helped himself the most uh, on on Monday. I think Sam Howe did some good things for himself, too. Again, I don't know if this really moves him up draft boards because these are usually the days where you're meant to show out. As as Mac Brown said in his press conference the other day, uh, Daryl Moody, who who is the guy that handles all of the pro relations and everything like that, kind of helps guys in their decisions to go uh, to the NFL or to come back to school, basically said nobody had a bad day. And typically at your pro day, you don't have a bad day. Uh, But Sam Howell, I think, did some really good things just based on some of the reaction that you saw on social media. Jordan Reed stopped by with the guys on ACC Network to talk about uh, Sam's performance afterwards. He's a guy that course was previously with pro football focus or, or pro fo, uh excuse me the draft network uh and now is with espn as one of their draft analysts he said that he really liked what he saw he liked the deep ball from sam even though two of those hit the ground 
Um, that deep ball accuracy is one of the things that he touched on and one of the things that we've heard uh, the most about from him, and we've known that for, since his freshman year, that he can throw the deep ball. Um, one of the best quarterbacks in the country at, at throwing that deep ball down the field. Um, but he also likes some of what he saw with the off-platform throws, something that he said he didn't see a lot of previously uh, with Sam Howell. So to see all of that, I think, you know, he did himself some good. Again, it looks like at this point, I think Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett, from what everybody is saying, pretty solidly one and two on most draft boards. I think after that is when you start to get some of the questions, but there are some teams that are really, really high on Desmond Ritter. So I think Sam Howell is probably still battling him. He might be trying to sneak into the end of the first round there, but it looks like now he's probably going to be a guy that's going to go in the early second. And I I think, you know, the thing that he did is he, he secured himself as a guy that has a lot of upside, a guy that teams should be interested, and I think he probably secured himself a spot somewhere. I don't know where it is, but I'm assuming that one of those teams in attendance probably... Uh, was pretty happy with what they saw from him. Who knows who it is? We'll have to kind of wait and see on that one. But uh, I, I think he did enough uh, to sort of stabilize his stock and keep him where he was at uh, with, with with the performances that we saw at some of the pro days. I mean, Malik Willis's was clearly the most raved about. A lot of people liked what Kenny Pickett did as well. Matt Corral uh, had a pretty successful pro day. And, and Desmond Ritter uh, was another guy that I think a lot of people were pretty pleased with. So, uh, he needed to come out and just do what he did, and I, I think he's in a good spot there. When it comes to some of the other guys that helped themselves, um, you know, it's it's not the big names. You know, Ty Chandler is a guy that didn't really go through a, a lot of the drills. He kind of did everything that he needed to when he was at the combine. Uh, he ran extremely well there, went through all the drills, and and performed pretty well there. So he didn't really have to do a lot of stuff. Uh, the offensive line group, it really wasn't much different from what we saw the first time Jordan Tucker ran his 45-3-1 on his 40, which is not great, um, but it's not terrible for a guy that's his size. Um, but, you know, in terms of the drills, it's it's pretty simple. There's not really a whole lot that you can pick up on. I thought a guy that helped himself, though, uh, that needed this day, didn't participate at the combine, but that needed this day, uh, was Taman Fox. And... Uh, again, did not uh, officially record a 40 time. He pulled up lame on his first 40. Um, so it wasn't anything major. It was just a little bit of a limp, it looked like. And uh, after that, did not run uh, a second time. So he ended up actually going out and just focusing on the drills. I think that was mainly he just wanting to make sure that he got those in to try to show people what he could do there. He knew he probably wasn't going to put down a blazing 40 time. I thought he looked good. I thought his footwork, uh, especially for a, a guy that's an edge rusher, looked uh, really, really good. Um, he got in and out of cuts pretty easily, and you know he did some of the pass rushing drills. But again, those are really hard to take much away from. Um, but I thought, you know, overall with how well he moved, he did some good things for himself. Um, and and I think that's there, there is potential for him there. I think at the least he probably locked himself up a spot with the team. Uh, in the summer. I think he'll be a part of an NFL training camp. Um, I think there's still a long road to go for him, but I think coming into the day, that was still a bit of a question mark. I think he really helped himself out uh, in in those respects. And then, you know, I think you talk about some of the other guys that really performed well. I think the other one that 
A lot of people probably weren't focusing on coming into the day, but that really did some good things for himself out there. Was Patrice, uh, or, or uh, excuse me, was Miles Wolfolk, um, who came back? You know, he he was a guy that was with Carolina uh, a couple of years ago. He ended up uh, having to transfer out of the university after he was deemed ineligible. He ends up going to Bowie State. Um, and he ended up coming back for his pro day. And I thought he did uh, you know, pretty good things for himself. His vertical jump number, 34 uh, inches, was pretty good. Uh, his broad jump, uh, 9, nine uh, feet 11 inches, was pretty good as well. Um, and I thought he ran well. 4.48, which was kind of middle of the road for defensive backs at the combine. Uh, also, you know, they, they didn't put up his, his highlight tape, and you wouldn't expect that with him being a guy that's coming back after having left Carolina. But I, 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 it seems like it, it, there probably wasn't much that could have hurt him there. Those numbers alone, though, those athletic numbers were pretty good in the testing area. So I feel like he's a guy that that probably helped himself out a little bit. And then one of the guys that people probably won't talk about, but that had a perfect day in terms of what he did out there um, was the kicker, Grayson Atkins. He did not miss a field goal while out there. Um, so really, that that's that's good for him. He did have back-to-back 55-yarders and then uh, kicked a walk-off 60-yard boot, according to Gregory Hall of Inside Carolina. Um, so yeah, I, I think he's a guy that really could only help himself coming in. He didn't really have much stock coming into the day, so feels like he probably did some good things for himself there. I just don't really know uh, how far up the draft boards he's actually going to get uh, at kicker, so we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, how much that actually uh, does for him. So uh, th- those are the guys that that performed. Again, 12 guys were in attendance for Pro Day. Every one of them did at least something. Um, Ten of them former Tar Heels from a year ago. Two of them coming back. Patrice Rene uh, was the other guy that joined Miles Wolfolk in his return after a year at Rutgers. So uh, a pretty solid day overall, and we'll see how those draft boards end up reflecting uh, this day for Carolina. It seems like right now the the majority thinking uh, is that Sam Howell will uh, definitely be a day two guy. Ty Chandler's kind of on the borderline. I think if somebody falls in love with him that much with what he's done here recently, he could be a guy that goes late on day two, but he's probably a day three guy. It seems like Jeremiah Gimmel is going to be either a day three or probably a a undrafted free agent at this point, just depending on how concerned people are with the injury. And then uh, they, you know, the, the offensive line guys, I think, are probably on the borderline. I think you could see it going either way with them. I think Azudu probably has the better chance of getting drafted just because of the fact that he does have a little bit more upside to him uh, as a younger player. He's got a little bit of versatility to his game. He can play guard, he can play tackle. Um, but I still think that Marcus McKeithen could be a guy that teams. Teams, uh, could look at, especially uh, with him rising up some of those draft boards following the combine. We're going to talk about all of these guys coming up next with Anthony Treesh of Pro Football Focus. Make sure you guys stick around for that and uh, hear what Anthony has to say after these messages here on the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do pull the upset. It's that simple. If they win, you win. 
If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the College Hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play for free all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like who will make it to the next round and who will hit the most three-pointers, and then track your results. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 plus restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Over there, check out all that coverage that we'll have for you on the website. We'll, of course, preview the Duke game. Josh will have that. He'll also have the recap for you. And then whoever Carolina hopefully is playing in the national championship game, if that happens, he'll have the preview and recap of that as well. Football side of things, Pro Day Recap on the website. You guys can check that out. That'll be up sometime uh, here in the near future. We will also have coverage of the Tar Heel Spring Game. That'll be on April 9th, a week after the Final Four. Make sure you check it out. HeelToughBlog.com. We now welcome in from Pro Football Focus, it's Anthony Treesh here on the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. And, uh, Anthony, it's your time of year, man. You are uh, the lead college analyst for uh, pro football focus, and uh, everybody is locked in on these NFL draft prospects. Tariels just hosted their pro day, so we're coming down the home stretch here. So uh, how how hectic and crazy is this time of year for you, man, over there at pro football focus? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty hectic. I mean, just wrapping up free agency, getting into the draft, and we go to the college preview process. There's a lot going on, even though it's the offseason. But the NFL draft, you know, I mean, with all the offseason events, I mean, right now is the time period where – the big boards are getting finalized. You see some of the mock drafts, the final pushes, um, and you start to hear the rumor mill kind of chatter, you know, start to heat up just a little bit. And some of those kind of get confirmed, you know, beliefs that some of these teams are interested in some guys. So, I mean, it's a busy time. A lot of, you know, like I said, rumor mills shelling are turning, you know, you get, you hear a bunch this time of year. Well, you know, let's start with one of the guys that you guys have been talking about a lot over there at Pro Football Focus, and, you know, the, the group that, that's around you and you yourself are, are probably a little bit higher on Sam Howell than a lot of the other sites. W- what is it about Sam Howell that uh, you guys over there at Pro Football Focus seem to love, and, and where do you personally stand on uh, Sam Howell coming out in this draft amongst this draft class? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is his deep ball. It's definitely one of the best um, in this draft class, you know, arguably the best, you know, um, you know, one of the best in college football over the last couple of years. I mean, when you look at those, you know, quote unquote, you know, NFL throws, those big time throws, um, you know, no one's made more big time throws throughout the collegiate career in this draft class than Sam Howell. He actually has 86 big time throws um, over the course of the three-year span, which is re- really remarkable to see. I mean, the level that he produced at, you know, as a true freshman and true sophomore in a better situation than when he was in this past year, um, you know, you could see the potential in there. Um, you know, this past year, too, I mean, he's not the most dynamic athlete by any means, but he still made up for it. And, you know, he went out there and made some plays with his legs. He put the team on his back at some times. And, you know, granted, he does need to work on his pocket presence. Um, that's for sure. But, I mean, he did take a beating at times. I mean, he was under pressure quite a bit. Some of it was his fault, but a lot of it wasn't his fault. Um, and so he overcame a tough situation multiple times throughout the year. But, you know, the biggest thing, like I said, it's his deep ball. I mean, that, it's an NFL, um, you know, deep ball. And, you know, with the way the game's trending, I mean, that's becoming a requisite um, in, in today's game. So, I mean, that's the biggest reason why, um, you know, he just has some advantages over some other quarterbacks in this draft class. 
Well, you know, it's pro day. He wrapped it up the other day, uh, 63 of 66 on his throws. Um, and, and, you know, how, how did you think it compared to some of the other pro days that we saw? Because there were a lot of really good ones here recently for the top quarterbacks in this class. Yeah, I kind of think they're all of the, the same, I would say. I mean, all of them look great. Um, you know, it, it is, you know, I can see the argument that, you know, it's a little bit difficult to mess up a pro day. Um, but at the same time, it's still a good opportunity to kind of show off your skill set. And, you know, with, with Sam Howe, he did everything to expectation. Um, you know, with him, it's not so much, you know, that it will, we, the, the concerns with his game or his areas that you can't really see at a pro day, right? It's, you know, the offense he was in at North Carolina, that, that's the biggest concern, right? I mean, I was actually talking to um, an NFL defensive coordinator when I was at the scouting combine about this. And, you know, he, he said the same thing, kind of what I thought. It's a pretty big issue right now with the way some of these college offenses operate. It's kind of tough to get a good evaluation of some of these quarterbacks and certainly not helping them prepare for the NFL. And North Carolina is an example of that. I mean, a very, you know, RPO-centric offense didn't really throw, make those tough throws over the middle of the field. Um, while he made those, you know, beautiful vertical shots um, that you'll see in the NFL, he didn't make those NFL throws over the middle of the field. Um, and that's a big concern. And, you know, and, and so I think those are kind of the areas that, that are kind of the red flags in Sam's game. And, again, you can't really see that at the pro day without having an actual defense in front of you in an actual in-game situation. Um, in addition to what I mentioned a little bit ago with his pocket presence, you can't really evaluate that at a pro day. So, you know, I was expected to, you know, hear good things about the, the way he threw out of his pro day. Um, and, you know, that was the case. And, you know, like I said, he does still have some, you know, concerns with this game. You just can't really see, you know, in that setting. Well, one of the other things that I've seen some Tario fans kind of talking about is they don't really know where he ends up going because it seems like some of the quarterback destinations that were even out there a couple of weeks ago are gone. You know, who are some of those teams that need quarterbacks? I think, you know, clearly one of the ones that most people are going to talk about is the Carolina Panthers, but I think a lot of people feel like they're probably looking at Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett. Who are some of those other teams that maybe people aren't looking at right now that could be in the quarterback market specifically when it comes to the draft where Sam Howe could possibly end up? Yeah, you know, it's it's pretty interesting to kind of look at the quarterback picture. I think every team has their own different board there. Um, you know, no rankings are the, you know, consensus rankings kind of like last year was um, to a certain extent. Um, but at the end of the day, I still think that the, the top three guys consensus-wise from everything that I've heard is Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, and Desmond Ritter. I don't quite agree with it all, um, but that's the top three there with a little bit of a gap between Sam and Matt Corral, um, old, old Miss. But at the end of the day, you know, it's, like I said, it's still hard to gauge what can happen. Um, you know, I don't expect Sam to go, you know, top half the first round, but, you know, he could sneak in the back half there. I expect three quarterbacks to go in round one. Um, you know, anything can happen on draft day, draft day. But, you know, outside of the top 10, some of the teams there, you have New Orleans at 18. Um, you have the Pittsburgh Steelers at 20. Um, you know, I also wouldn't rule out maybe the Detroit Lions at 32. I don't think they're going to take a quarterback this year, but they very well could, um, you know, with the hopes of kind of grooming them under Jared Goff. Um, and, you know, of course, you could get a surprise in there. You could see some of these teams with a veteran back there. Maybe it's Tampa Bay. Maybe they didn't like what they have with Kyle Trask. Um, again, that would be a little bit of a surprise. Don't expect that to happen, but it could happen. Um, but really, you know, with Sam Howell, you look at the beginning of the second round, and that's when I start to kind of see – some teams where I, I think it could kind of land there. You know, you have the New York Giants there um, at number 36. They had a large group at his pro day. Um, that was a big talk there. And we all know 
but they were interested in signing Mitchell Trubisky um, before the Pittsburgh Steelers outbid them for him. Um, they definitely just want competition for um, Daniel Jones, their current starter, who's kind of been underwhelming um, over the last few years. So, you know, I could look at them. I wouldn't be surprised if he landed in New York. Um, Seattle, you know, they have back-to-back second-round picks there with 40 and 41. That's a team that could take a quarterback there with one of those picks if they don't take a quarterback with their top 10 selection who they acquired. Um, and then, of course, you have the Colts at 40, 42 and then Atlanta at 43. I mean, those are some teams as well, um, you know, that could be interested in Sam Howell. Um, right now, if I had to make a prediction, I would probably say Sam Howell ends up with one of those second-round teams early in the second round in that range between 36 and 43. Um, you know, never you never know what can happen. You know, every single year there's, there's those big surprises that could happen. So, um, you know, I could be wrong there. Yeah, I have definitely been trying to will him to Tampa. I am really hoping Bruce Arians, Tom Brady, see him and say, you know what, that'd be a pretty good fit here. But I don't know if that's going to happen, unfortunately, for him. You know, let's talk about another guy uh, that has really started to climb some draft boards here and I think is going to be probably one of the talks when it comes to the Tar Heels on draft boards. You know, Ty Chandler, I think he's the guy that's probably done the most for himself so far in terms of the pre-draft process. And he's starting to get into that range, kind of where we saw Michael Carter a year ago. What do you think about his stock right now? And and do you think he sort of fits that Michael Carter mold as a guy that, if he gets in the right situation, could really make an impact early in his career? Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing, you know, at the running back position. Situation matters more than any. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people, and I think PSF, it's the running backs no matter debate. And, you know, it's, you know, running backs are very valuable at the collegiate level, but it does it's a different story at the NFL level and they're a little bit more interchangeable. Um, and that's why you're probably going to see a lot of, you know, I would say a string go off the board in day three. And I think Kyle Chandler is among that group. And this class in particular is a little bit interesting because I do think, you know, I was actually talking with um, uh, Austin Gale, PSS analyst here um, in the office, just a little bit, a little bit ago about this is that there's an argument you made that, you know, running back eight to some people might be running back one to some people. I mean, this group is very, very close together. Um, I think it's much closer to kind of what's being, you know, spoken about with some of the top of the class. And Ty Chandler's in that conversation, right? You could you could easily, you know, argue that he's a top five running back in this class. Um, you know, he does have good hands. I, I think that's an intriguing aspect of it. I mean, he has that long speed, of course, and I think his vision, too, is excellent. Um, and what he did this past year, I mean, he definitely sees the opportunity, I thought, um, after transferring into North Carolina. Definitely the best season of his career. Nobody's arguing that. Um, and so the situation does matter. I expect him to go on day three, um, but I do think that he could be, you know, of value for a team with a good solidified offensive line. Um, you know, that just kind of doesn't need to invest heavily in the running back position. I think teams are starting to get away from that just a little bit, which is a good thing. Um, and, you know, so for Ty Chandler, you know, I, I think he could be a really any team get in. I, I would not be surprised if he wins with any of the 32 teams. Um, but I think he's a solid day three option, um, just given his skill set. And, you know, like I mentioned, he does have the receiving ability and today's game you need to have the receiving ability if you just want to generate a little bit more value than some of your peers well let's go over to the defensive side of the ball real quick and you know jeremiah gimmel he he was up there for a while really solidly in day three um, but it seems like now he's close to kind of being on that line of a draftable to unrestricted free agent um, after the draft you know, I think he sort of explained the other day at his pro day the reason why he did not participate in the Senior Bowl or the Combine due to a shoulder injury. But where do you stand with him at this point, and what do you think his NFL future could possibly be? 
Yeah, I definitely agree with that range. I mean, he's looking at late, late day three at this point. I think he's an intriguing day three flyer. I was kind of bummed that, you know, he couldn't participate in the senior bowl. He was one of the guys that their staff was very, very high on. And I was looking forward to seeing him um, just after seeing him this past year. I mean, he's definitely, I mean, everybody knows he was a big leader for that UNC defense, right? I mean, he has the experience. I think he's a smart player. Uh, he's just a little bit undersized. And I think teams are going to kind of be cautious with that. And I think he would have done himself, if he would have been healthy, of course, um, being able to partake in the senior bowl um, and just kind of show off that he can compete, right? Because I think just kind of the strength element of the game is what's going to um, kind of be on the, 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 you know, the red flag list, per se, um, for some teams. And you go back to what he did at North Carolina. Um, it's just what he did against the run. I, I think he could have done just a little bit more there. Um, you know, he actually had more negatively graded run plays than positively graded ones this past year, which is kind of evidence of that. So, you know, it, it's a bummer that he couldn't partake in the senior bowl. Um, and, you know, but I do think that he is a very, I, I would say, you know, intriguing day flyer list. If I had to make one, he's definitely on that list because I think he has it. You know, he understands the game. He can process the game. He has it in between the years. And at the end of the day, you know, you could talk about size and athletic ability all you want. You know, I, I, the most important aspect of the game of football is, you know, understanding and in between the years. And he has that. So I, I think that's what makes him a good flyer option on the day three. But, you know, I agree with the range that you set out there. Yeah, and, and Mac Brown said it with him. You know, he's one of the best leaders that he's ever coached, and that's really saying something. So, yeah, for Tar Heel fans, they may have him a little bit higher on their board than some of the draft experts, but um, you're, you're definitely right. One of the smartest kids that I've seen in a long, long time uh, come through Carolina in terms of just the football knowledge and a guy that if he doesn't end up going on to have a lengthy career at the professional level will definitely show up probably somewhere in coaching. Let's go to the offensive line though. The Tarios have three guys that are you know offensive line prospects but two guys I think pr- stand out primarily and those are the two guys that went to the combine. You have Joshua Izudu who's the younger of the two. He ended up leaving early as a junior and then you have Marcus McKeithen who's a senior um, you know, I was kind of surprised because I saw on some of the draft boards Marcus McKeithen sort of climbed after the combine, and I thought he looked good but not great. Joshua Zudu's stock kind of stayed put where I thought he did some pretty good things out there. But what do you think about those two offensive linemen, two guys who I think are, are kind of vastly different um, in the types of players that they are? Yeah, I mean, with McKeithen, that guy's just a mammoth, right? I mean, he's just a big human being, and you know, to some people, that that's a big turn on there. And, you know, the, what he did, I think, what what really shined and stood out was what he did on the bench press, of course, with those long limbs he has. I mean, the dude's got strength, right? Um, you know, I, I think for him, obviously, the experience helps a lot. Um, and, you know, he graded out exceptionally well in pass protection over the last few years. I think, you know, it's just a run-blocking element of it, I, I think, of where I would be a little bit concerned there. Um, you know, I, I think both of these guys are day three guys, and I would almost put them in, you know, the intriguing day flyer list, like I mentioned with Kimmel, um, you know, because they have some stuff they kind of like there with McKeithen, obviously being that frame he has, not the most, you know, fleet of foot guy, um, but, you know, you like what he brings to the table, you know, what he can do in a phone booth. It's just you want to see him do it a little bit more and bring that killer instinct out, and I would put Azudu in there in that same boat. I wanted to see both of these guys just, you know, you see, when I talk about killer instinct, it's like Icky Aquano from NC State. And I'm sorry, Tar Heel fans don't mean to bring him up, but he, you know, he, he brings that killer instinct on a play for play basis. We just didn't really see that with the Keithan or Izudu. Um, you know, like I said, with the Keithan, you know, he's not the most nimble guy. Um, you know, he did falter a little bit in the run game throughout his collegiate career. I think he has some stuff to clean up in that regard. Um, and, you know, with Izudu, you know, I think he's just going to be a, 
developmental piece. And I think he's an intriguing developmental piece over the next few years. Um, you know, the versatility definitely helps. Um, but, you know, from a technical re- refinement um, standpoint, I think he has a little bit of ways to go. So, you know, these, these two guys are day three guys, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, it is interesting to kind of see how, you know, Keithan has, like you said, just been playing just a little bit. Um, and I think it's just the, the fact that he's just a, a massive human being and, you know, the strength that he has. But like I said, we need to see that strength just a little bit more. We didn't see it enough at North Carolina. I thought. The last one that I'll ask you here is, you know, there's there's a group behind those guys then, and, and then one of the guys that was a part of that offensive line group that left early, Jordan Tucker, is in there. Kyler McMichael's in there. Uh, Tamon Fox, you know. Out of those group of guys that are behind the main guys that we just talked about, the guys that we say probably are day three guys, Maybe those guys that are on the borderline or could be, you know, undrafted free agents, but could be picked up early. Which one kind of intrigues you the most at this point? Yeah, I mean, definitely Kyler McMichael. I mean, of course, I mean, he was the former top recruit uh, coming from Clemson. And he, we all know he's just an exceptional athlete, right? And I mean, that's, that's a guy that you'd take a, a chance on, um, you know, late in the NFL draft. I mean, a, a team that really stands out, that really does a good job at that. Um, the Los Angeles Rams, you know, some of the, like last year, they took Robert Rochelle from Central Arkansas, you know, very raw cornerback, but an uber athlete, right? And it's with the hopes that he can kind of develop with, on that athleticism over the next few years. Um, you know, they take, you know, their routine that takes a big chance on athleticism. And there's a lot of other teams in the NFL. That's Kyler McMichael. And I, I expect some team to be intrigued with those tools just to see if they can kind of, you know, get with some good coaching kind of, you know, develop on his play just because, you know, when he arrived at, you know, in Chapel Hill, he just really wasn't, you know, that reliable of an, a, a cornerback from, you know, the grading perspective. And he earned a poor PFF grade on the last time we saw him out um, this past season. So, you know, I, I think he's an intriguing prospect. I wouldn't be, you know, surprised to see a team, um, you know, take a chance on him. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think it would be anything too early. All right. It is Pro Football Focus's lead college analyst, Anthony Treesh. Uh, hey, Anthony, thanks for stopping by with us, man. Great stuff as always. We always love having you on uh, here at the local radio station that I work on and really appreciate you stopping by with us here uh, on the podcast to talk about uh, the Tar Heel-specific guys. All right, man? Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me on. All right, man. Appreciate you. So we want to thank Anthony Trees for stopping by with us. Great stuff. Make sure you go check out his work as well as uh, Austin Gale, who he was talking about, Mike Renner, a ton of guys over there are pro football focused that are involved in the draft, Trevor Sykema as well. Uh, they do a tremendous job over there at pro football focus. So head over to profootballfocus.com and check out all the stuff that they have for the NFL draft. Well, before we get out of here, I wanted to give you a little bit of an update on what head coach Mac Brown said yesterday to the media. He did kind of do a little recap of each position group, which I thought was great. He's done this a couple of times so far this year, but I thought it was great in this scenario, especially since it's been three weeks since we've heard from him. And even back then, uh, that was when he was introducing Jack Bicknell as the Tar Heels' new offensive line coach. So it's been a while since we've really had a focus on on the team and what's going on in spring camp. And uh, he, he sat down and, and, and spoke to the media, um, focusing on every different position group. So we'll kind of run through what he had to say about each position group. First, quarterback, not really much that he revealed there. Really just said that each guy is looking pretty good. 
Um, it, it, it seems like it's probably going to be Criswell and May from how he phrased it. He talked about those two going back and forth and then at the end mentioned Connor Harrell and what how they're pleased with what he's doing. He didn't really include him um, when he was talking about the battle itself. So it looks like maybe the true freshman is out of it, but you don't really know. Uh, he came in early for a reason, and it feels like Connor Harrell does have some of the upside to fit uh, the Tar Heel offense like a glove, which is what we heard about Jacoby Criswell. So who knows? We'll see. I think it, it probably is going to be those two, though, as we expected all along. And it feels like there isn't going to be much given up on uh, either side, you know, whether it's the quarterbacks themselves when they talk or Mac Brown, even Phil Longo when he gets up there, uh, until they actually get uh, into fall camp. It feels like they'll go through the summer. Mac Brown has talked about in the past even a few years ago when you had the trio battling between Sam Howell, Jace Reuter, and Cade Fortin, how important it is for them to see what happens during those summer months, for them to get the analysis from some of the teammates uh, of what's going on when they are not actually allowed to be out there coaching these guys or holding these official practices, who's the guys that you know are, are being raved about the most, um, you know who who is the guy that the teammates think is is performing better? Uh, that's a big thing when it comes to Mac Brown and his quarterback battle. So we're going to be probably waiting a while at the running back position. Not a whole lot of positivity there. Mac Brown kind of said, "Look, it, it, we're still only one guy in the rotation." Um, as of right now, for sure, um, he did once again compliment. George Petaway said, look, love the speed from Petaway. Um, and it feels like more and more what we hear from him, he also talked about him in the slot and, and, and the versatility that he brings. It feels like the more and more that we hear about George Petaway, the, the, the more it's pointing towards the fact that he's going to have some sort of role in this offense. I think it's with him being a true freshman, Mac Brown might be a little bit hesitant to sort of pull the trigger there and say, look, he's officially part of that backfield rotation. But it feels like right now he's probably the guy that we're hearing the most about outside of, of course, British Brooks, who came back for uh, his super senior season and is going to be a guy uh, that is going to contribute. He's going to be the starter more than likely for Carolina in their opener against Florida A&M. Meanwhile, heard that DJ Jones as well saw him actually. If you go back and watch the videos that they posted of their scrimmage, they posted it yesterday uh, as a little thing to try to get your mind off of what's coming up this Saturday with, of course, Carolina playing Duke uh, in the Final Four. You see a run there by DJ Jones. So maybe there's, you know, that that's another guy that I think. Tar Heel fans might even be forgetting about a little bit with Petaway back there. Of course, everything that we heard last year from Caleb Hood. Um, but DJ Jones is still in the running there. It's just about him getting healthy. And Mac Brown did confirm that he is healthy as of right now. We'll see if he's able to stay healthy. Uh, but the Tar Heels have to start finding some solutions there in the backfield. You don't want to go into a situation like you did last year where it was really Ty Chandler and that was it. You wanted to have that backfield rotation a year ago, but you didn't really have that luxury throughout the year. And part of that was because guys got banged up. But the other part of it was no one was really able to separate themselves. A wide receiver Big thing that Mac Brown talked about there is the lack of depth, and that was something coming into camp, and of course is something that got a little bit worse during camp, in part because of a situation that is clearly out of anybody's control. 
uh, in, in, with, with Tylee Craft being diagnosed with cancer. Um, of course, still wishing Tylee the best and thought it was really, really cool. Mac Brown talked about a little bit earlier before he got into the position breakdowns that uh, the game will actually be named Tylee Strong. The spring game will not be the Tariel spring game. It will be Tylee Strong. Uh, in you know, it was something that was voted on by the guys on the team uh, as sort of a tribute to uh, the young Tar Heel wide receiver, the junior receiver, uh, who is out for the remainder of the year. It seems uh, like it will be with uh, a cancer diagnosis. He's going through chemotherapy and everything right now. Was actually diagnosed with that earlier this month. Uh, he released that statement. About a week ago now, and uh, again, wishing him and his family the best, but really cool for Carolina to do that, to honor a guy um, that is is a part of this team, has been for the last couple of years, um, and I think it's going to serve as an inspiration for this team moving forward this season. So hopefully, uh, Mac Brown said it, hopefully he's able to be out there uh, as well, him and, and maybe a couple of other people from uh, maybe uh, you know, that have gone through cancer or are currently going through cancer. Mac Brown hopes that they can sort of turn that into sort uh, a little bit of a theme uh, of the day. So uh, that'll be really cool to, to, to monitor that and see how they go about doing that. But uh, in terms of the actual position group, Clearly, it hurts Carolina. That was one of the guys that uh, Mac Brown was looking at on the outside because, yeah, th- this is a group that has gone, you know, has grown, proceed, you know, slowly but surely. Uh, it's proceeded to grow into one of the least deep units on the team, which is crazy to think with the talent that Carolina has there. But it's also about how the group is built. The slot, they're loaded up there. On the outside, not as much, but. Uh, Mac Brown did say, of course, Josh Downs, as you would expect, looking really good. Antoine Green looking really good as well. Uh, he said that J.J. Jones, Kobe Paysauer, still the guys that I think they're kind of waiting on to step up. They're getting the most opportunity now on the outside, so we'll see if they step up. But uh, they really are probably looking forward to getting Andre Green Jr. in there on the outside and seeing what he can do. Uh, where on the outside they're just so thin at this point. Of course, got Gavin Blackwell, but he's more fit as a, as a slot receiver. Um, and of course, Tychon Chapman is in there as well. I think he's still rehabbing uh, from an injury. That was why he didn't participate in the All American game. So uh, you know, Carolina's a little bit shorthanded there as of right now. Mac Brown said that has prompted them to move Bryson Nesbitt actually out to receiver a little bit. And we heard this. We heard that he was going to probably play a little bit in the slot. But this feels like they're actually moving him out to receiver from what Mac Brown has said. Um, so we'll, we'll see just how that works. Uh, this season, I think, regardless, you're going to see Bryson Nesbitt out there in more of a pass-catching role than you saw last year. Um, but right now, Carolina's kind of working with what they got, and then they're using one of their athletic tight ends as a guy that can help them at wide receiver. Meanwhile, on the offensive line, didn't really say a whole lot about it, but did say that he has liked what he has seen down there, has been encouraged by what he's seen down there, especially from Corey Gaynor, the uh, transfer center from Miami. Uh, looks like he's probably going to be the guy in uh, at the center position. Don't know. Maybe they move him out to guard, but uh, Brian Anderson's in there along with Kieran Johnson, so uh, that was one of the things Mac Brown was most excited about with the offensive line unit was that you do have this type of depth 
after they struggled with it a year ago. It's veteran depth as well, so a lot of really encouraging things uh, down there, including the fact that uh, Mac Brown has liked what he's seen so far from Zach Rice and from Trevion Green. I think that's kind of one of the guys that has come out of nowhere here during this camp. We heard a lot, of course, as we should have about Zach Rice coming in, the five-star offensive tackle. It looks like he's probably going to play some sort of role in his first year with the Tar Heels. But I don't think anybody saw the big offensive guard, Trevion Green, who had to reclassify. He was actually in last year's recruiting class, had to reclassify to this year's recruiting class because of his weight. He you know, com- almost completely changed around his body and now looks like he could be a guy that could factor in for Carolina sooner rather than later on the interior, potentially, maybe even at offensive tackle. So definitely a guy to keep an eye on there. Uh, Mac Brown encouraged by what he's seen from that unit as a whole. Go over to the defensive side. On the defensive line, the guy that I think most people were wondering about because we had heard some things about him still recovering from shoulder surgery, about him not quite being in shape. Mac Brown, very complimentary of Travis Shaw the other day. Uh, and and I think he he's definitely one of those guys to keep an eye on here over the next couple of weeks as Carolina goes throughout camp. Also talked about Javari Ritzy, very versatile guy that's been moving back and forth and did touch a little bit on the Jack linebacker spot where Noah Taylor has really been standing out. We've heard a lot about him here recently uh, as Carolina brought him in as a, as a transfer this offseason. He definitely is a guy uh, that I think is going to secure himself a big role in this Toriel defense. And linebacker, Power Eccles, uh, and Cedric Gray, Mac Brown said both have been playing well, but the guys that have improved the most are the guys behind them. Sebastian Cheeks, the true freshman, and of course, Ra Ra Dilworth, who I think everybody wants to see out on the field in some capacity. Uh, one of the things that was interesting, after he ended up talking about that, he talked about then getting the best 22 players on the field. So, I wonder what exactly this defense is going to look like. I think it'll kind of change from week to week. And, you know, from even from drive to drive about how they put some of these guys out there because you're going to have to get a role for somebody like Rod Dilworth and maybe even Sebastian Cheeks. The defensive backfield, very similar to what we heard from uh, the uh, from, from the wide receiver position, extremely thin. That's in large part due to injury. Uh, and right now, uh, Carolina is still working through it. Cameron Kelly uh, did participate in their last scrimmage along with Giovanni Biggers. Both guys had uh, yellow jerseys on. They were not able to go full t- full contact. Uh, same thing with Storm Duck. I don't know if he was in a yellow jersey, but Mac Brown said he is just now getting back to the point where he can be a full go uh, here in practice. So I don't know if that was on Saturday or that's now. Um, but he's a guy that that that's a group that you know because of all the injuries back there. Mac Brown said first thirty plays of the scrimmage on Saturday were just a quote a, a thud uh, scrimmage. So that means no tackling. You just get to the point of contact and then you stop. Uh, that shows you the, the the dire straits that Carolina is at in that defensive backfield. But they're running some guys out there, Dontavious Nash, and and even some of the walk ons. Connor, uh, Christopher Holiday, uh, as well as Val Edwards getting looks back there. Uh, also, one th- other thing from, from the special team side of things that I thought was really interesting, he mentioned that a battle at punter is starting to develop, so that's something to keep an eye on. Cole Maynard making a push for Ben Kiernan. So, 
Uh, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Heel Tough Blog podcast. Make sure that you guys head over to the website, heeltoughblog.com. Bunch of stuff up there about the Tar Heels in the Final Four. We're getting ready to do the preview podcast today. Extremely excited about that because it doesn't get much bigger than this. Duke, Carolina in the tournament. So make sure that you uh, check out all the coverage Josh has for you. Uh, over there uh, on the basketball side of things. And on the football side of things, we've got you covered pro day. Uh, We, of course, have uh, your recap for you with that. We'll have uh, the takeaways from Mac Brown's press conference where we'll go a little more in-depth than I went here. You can check it all out at that one spot, HeelToughBlog.com. Check it out. Social media pages, uh, Blog on Facebook, at Blog on Twitter, at HTBAnthony for my personal page. You can check all that stuff out there, as well as the podcast. Whenever it goes up, we have uh, you know all the video editions of the podcast, the audio editions of the podcast. You can hear them anywhere that you listen to your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, any of those places. And when you go there to listen, make sure that you do subscribe so you don't miss an edition of the pod. So once again, want to thank Anthony Treese for stopping by with us. want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.